The Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is The Big Lead. Coming to you from the Carter Subaru Studio. Welcome. Welcome to The Big Show. We're not that big a show today. We're a two-hour show. Because Seahawks pregame begins at 2 o'clock this afternoon. But uh, we're going to jam-pack a lot of stuff into these next couple of hours. Glad you're with us this afternoon. And let's get right to some very busy news, stuff you're not going to hear anyplace else. Let's get right to The Big Lead. The Big Lead. Top story. It was after I got off the air yesterday that a Pierce County jury came back with a verdict. The sheriff down there, Ed Troyer, had been accused of false reporting in incident with a newspaper carrier in January of 2021. You know the story by now. Cedric Alzheimer is the newspaper carrier. He was driving down the street at 2 in the morning. Ed Troyer saw a car driving very slowly down his street, going stopping house to house, and went out to check to make sure there wasn't a uh, anybody doing something nefarious. And there was an angry encounter, and that's when Troyer called and said that he had been threatened. Uh, Alzheimer said he never threatened him. Uh, it ended up going to a trial for a misdemeanor. A misdemeanor. I'm going to get back to that in just a moment here. But yesterday afternoon, a Pierce County jury came back with a unanimous verdict. We, the jury, find the defendant not guilty of the crime of false reporting as charged in count one. Verdict form for count two reads, we the jury find the defendant not guilty of the crime of making a false or misleading statement to a public servant as charged in count two. It only took seven hours for the jury to come back with unanimous not guilty verdict. That would seem to confirm what I have been telling you from the very beginning of this whole case, and that this was a politically motivated witch hunt. I've also told you that in 28 years of doing this radio talk show, that our attorney general in Washington, Bob Ferguson, is the most dangerous politician I have ever seen. And the reason for that is because he uses the most powerful legal office in the state as a weapon against anybody he does not like. And he uses it as a cover for those that he does like, a protection racket for his fellow Democrats. And when law and justice are supposed to be blind, but in our state, your ability to go about your life depends largely on your ideology. And I want to get into that because this is dangerous. This is what the most dangerous governments on earth do, is they use the power of government to silence anybody they don't like. Bob Ferguson has personally tried to silence me and my radio show. He tried to get his donors, his campaign funders, to call Bonneville to get me fired. That is about as gross a violation of the First Amendment as you can possibly imagine, to have the most powerful legal officer in the state of Washington mobilize his campaign donors to try to get fired the most powerful media voice about being a government watchdog. 
That's what the most dangerous governments on earth do. Okay, so let's go back. Why did he go after Ed Troyer with such vehemence? Well, Ed Troyer was being exonerated. They had done some some inquiries into what happened that night. And what happened, it's it's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, there was a big response. When you're the sheriff and you call and you say you're having an incident, there's a big response. Uh, Cedric Altimer never had his life threatened. He never had a gun pointed at him. That all came out in the trial that there was uh, one, one of the first responding officers had his gun unholstered, but he never pointed it at Altimer. He just wanted to make sure he knew what they were rolling up on, what they were getting into. But going back even further, Ed Troyer, when the governor was rolling out vaccine mandates, Ed Troyer said to law enforcement officers all around the region that if you want to come work for the Pierce County Sheriff's Office, we don't have a vaccine mandate. And he did lateral hires of a lot of cops from other agencies, other departments that did not want to get vaccinated. Well, this enraged Jay Inslee. And Jay Inslee went to his little buddy, Bob Fergie Ferguson, and he, he wanted Troyer to be a target of, of the state of Washington. And when you go up against the state, you generally have limited resources. The state has unlimited. Bob Ferguson, and, and you know how I feel about Tim Iman. I vote for some of his stuff. I don't vote for some of his stuff. Uh, I, I think that he's an intriguing person in how much he's saved taxpayers. I also recognize that he's kind of a squirrely guy. And I've told him that. I'm not, ta- I'm not talking out of school here. But Bob Ferguson has spent millions and millions and millions of dollars to destroy Tim Iman, to drive him in, into bankruptcy. Well, Iman didn't have the same resources that the state of Washington has because the state is literally unlimited. Ferguson will spend any amount of your and my money to go after somebody that he doesn't like. And so, you know, Iman's a a very public example, but Troyer was too. Jay Inslee was furious that there's a law enforcement agency that wasn't enforcing his vaccine mandate. We now know with time that the vaccine mandate was insane. And and Troyer was never anti-vax. He was just pro-choice. If you want to be vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you don't want to be vaccinated, you don't have to. So that's when they decided, well, Troyer's white and newspaper carrier's black, and they had a confrontation at 2 in the morning. Let's get them. But what was the charge? It was a misdemeanor. It was a misdemeanor. They went to Troyer. And they said, uh, if you plead guilty, admit that you're a racist and resign your job as sheriff, then we won't, we won't go to trial. And Troyer said, hell no. Uh, I, I know Ed Troyer. I know him quite well. Uh, I know that he, he is a, one of the most philanthropic public officials that I've ever known.
has raised just incredible amount of money and put in incredible amount of time for gifts for kids at Christmas time and for raising money for the families of fallen officers and for providing for kids himself because he and his wife have taken in foster kids of all races, almost always non-white. I know that his wife is Pacific Islander. I know that his, uh, many of his kids are Native American. And, and you got Bob Ferguson say, hey, admit you're a racist. What? What are you talking about? Look at my family. How, how in the world could I be a racist? But that's what they wanted. They wanted to destroy him. Because if you can attach the title of racist to somebody, uh, it, it used to be a way to destroy them. It has lost all of its power now because that word is bandied about with such random casualness by the left that it, it's lost its power. It's lost its meaning because 99 times out of 100, when somebody's being called a racist, uh, it's just a word that the left is using to try to attack somebody they don't like. So that was what was going on here. That's why they were going after him. And he said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to trial. And a jury of six of Ed Troyer's peers, after hearing all of the evidence, they unanimously, quickly said, not guilty. But let's talk about some other aspects of the story. Let's talk about the media. Let's talk about the Seattle Times. Seattle Times, they're the ones who made this trial happen because two months after the encounter in January of 21, the Seattle Times had a big front-page story with the newspaper carrier, Cedric Alzheimer, and he talked about how terrified he was. He talked about how uh, this was... You know, law enforcement at its very worst, and on and on and on it went. And the Seattle Times, the way they covered this, had such an obvious slant to it. And then many others in the media, uh, you know, a couple of TV stations, a couple of TV stations had very great fair coverage. A couple of TV stations had absolutely disgustingly one-sided coverage of this. And the Seattle Times, in in their story about uh, the not guilty verdict yesterday, uh, I'm going to play for you in a few minutes uh, the only interview that Ed Troyer did yesterday. And it was with the Dory Monson show right after that verdict came down. But in the in the Seattle Times story, far left left wing reporter Jim Brunner. I say that because he likes to label everybody in his stories. Uh, Here's his Seattle Times story that's up today. In an interview with conservative radio talk show host, Dory Monson, Seattle Times is furious that Troyer didn't get convicted. Uh, So the fact that Troyer talked to me, they decided, uh, hey, everybody we go to cocktail parties with and Christmas parties with, they all think that conservative is an epithet. So we'll call Monson then. I've never thought of myself as a conservative. I I weigh every story, every issue on its individual merits. But they can say whatever they want. But uh, I'll say what, uh, I'll, I'll play the game. And every time I talk about liberal left-wing radical reporter Jim Brunner, I'll just do the same thing that he does in his stories. 
I'll uh, I'll just label him what he is in my perception, and that's what he is. But Seattle Times, the, the way they covered this was disgusting. The way a couple of TV stations covered this was absolutely disgusting. Okay, there's more to this. How many misdemeanors go to a trial? How many misdemeanors even get prosecuted? We checked with the, the King County Prosecutor's Office, for example. 80% of misdemeanors never go to trial. This was two guys gotten into an argument in the middle of the night, uh, no harm, and both went on their way. This is about the, the, the most innocuous misdemeanor imaginable. Well, 80% of misdemeanors never go to trial. This one did because Troyer said, I'm not going to resign. I'm not going to let you call me a racist. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to let you roll over me with all the power and might of the state of Washington. Um, many domestic violence encounters are misdemeanors. And they never go to trial because of a lack of evidence or uncooperative witnesses. Misdemeanors are usually dropped. But the state of Washington spent who knows how much, how many hundreds of thousands, millions, to go after this witch hunt with Troyer. And then let's get to the selective prosecution, which is the most dangerous aspect of our attorney general. When Jenny Durkin was mayor of Seattle, she destroyed hundreds, maybe thousands of text messages on her phone. All of these text messages were supposed to be available to you and me under the Freedom of Information Act, public records disclosure. She and many top Seattle officials, Carmen Best and the police chief, uh, Scoggins, They all destroyed text messages when they gave up the East Precinct to domestic terrorists, when they did nothing as Chaz and Chop was being created, where people were being raped and three were murdered, and they destroyed all public records of this. Now, we have some of the strongest public records acts in the nation here in the state of Washington. A public official, Jenny Durkin, destroying all of her text messages. That is a felony crime. Did Bob Ferguson go after her? Well, no. She's a Democrat. Bob Ferguson provides a protection racket. Sound Transit has run the most criminally corrupt public agency in the history of this nation. Tens of billions of dollars in overruns, starting projects, knowing they couldn't finish them, but thinking as long as it gets started, as long as we break ground, the people will have to keep pouring bad, good money after bad. Has Bob Ferguson gone after them? Nope. They all have a protection racket. It's like a mobster in the attorney general's office. Hey, hey, uh... Give me a little sugar, and I'll make sure your business doesn't burn down. But it's not cash that's being exchanged. It's ideology. Is the currency in the state of Washington. If you don't think the way the government mobsters demand, the way that Jay Inslee and Bob Ferguson and Dow Constant, if you don't think the way they demand 
They will come after you. They will spend whatever it takes to try to destroy you. But we do have a safeguard, and that is the amazing judicial system, a jury of your peers. And they can hear all the evidence, and they can be the backstop against a government completely run amok here in this state. And maybe you think like Inslee and Fergie and Kedow, and you're thinking, ah, who cares? You'll care when there's somebody in power who doesn't like the way you think. And they throw all the power and might of government at you. Then you will care. That is your big lead for today. The Big Lead on Cairo Radio. Okay, as I said, I don't know if he's done any interviews today, but the only interview that uh, Ed Troyer did after the verdict and all day and night yesterday was with the Dory Monson show. And it was a little more emotionally raw uh, back then, 21 hours ago, 20 hours ago. So um, I will play for you in its entirety the interview that we did with the sheriff right after the not guilty verdict. Uh, That's coming up next. Then we have some other incredible news about the homelessness industrial complex in our state. The numbers I'm about to share with you are staggering. Much more to come. Stuff you're not going to hear anywhere else. The Dory Monson Show rolls on. All right, right after Ed Troyer got the not guilty verdict, uh, he didn't do any media interviews yesterday. Except I don't know if he's done any today. But uh, the only one he did yesterday was with the Dory Monson Show, and I, I appreciate that. So uh, I'm going to play that for you now because, uh, you know, I think it's a little more raw because it was minutes after that verdict came down. So what went down, we just talked about. The jury comes back with a unanimous not guilty verdict. When they read the verdict, I've seen Ed Troyer in you know some of the worst moments in cops' lives when you know they've lost their brothers and sisters. Uh, and he's always been quite stoic, but he got very emotional as they were reading that verdict. And so that's where I began. I asked him to explain what was behind all of that emotion. Well, it's been a a long year and a half that we've been putting up with this. And not only me, I mean, I'm kind of built for this, but, you know, I have 800 employees who have all been supportive, a family and everybody else that's had to endure being hostages in our own home for five or six months as we had rioters and picketers out front and, you know, I get a letter from the governor saying I'm under criminal investigation and attorney general's office comes in with a huge team of people and charges me with two misdemeanor and turn my life upside down. Um, but I wasn't about to back down. You know, Bob Ferguson would have made me, you know, part of the investigation instead of the target of the investigation. I don't think we'd be sitting here. And I always said I was not going to um, placate the media or the AG's office. I mean, they offered me a deal. They wanted me to play guilty to both counts and resign and then no jail time. And no way. I said, I want to go talk to a jury. And so I put my hands in the fate of a jury. And once they heard the facts and got all the information, um, we got the verdict that we were hoping for and expecting. 
um, even though we want to play against a large team of, you know, attorney general and the governor, the most powerful people in the state coming after you. And I had my attorney and a legal advisor and a young kid who, who, for lack of a better term, whooped their ass. And you said you could have pleaded guilty. Uh, they wanted you to admit to some level of racism if you pleaded guilty. And that, that was the absolute deal breaker for you, I believe. Oh, absolutely. I wasn't going to be called a racist. You know, people by now I've kind of hidden my family, but through this process, they know that I have a grandson of color and Native Americans in my family that are registered Native Americans and my wife's Pacific Islander. And I'm pretty much the only white guy in the group. And I've, you know, never worn that on my sleeve, but it, but it came out through this and I feel bad for them. And, you know, I pretty much kept them separate through my job until this happened. Um, and that's who I've been worried about this whole last year and a half, along with my 800 employees. They've had to put up with a lot of a lot of this, too. And I just think it, it proves, you know, defund the police are our, our new laws in this state. You know, they're trying to get rid of elected sheriffs and go to appoint it. That way they can have their top law enforcement, you know, work for the the, the mayors and the city in the councils and man don't ever give up that right state ride once you lose your elected sheriff it doesn't need to be me but whoever it is you need to have your elected sheriff or you're going to have huge problems when it comes to public safety and everybody knows i'm a law and order guy and everybody knows that i didn't force the vaccination on anybody um we have hired 60 people since i've been sheriff and some of them are seattle state troopers fish and wildlife and people that may or we're going to lose their jobs in other places. Um, not that I'm an anti-vaxxer, but I believed in freedom of choice and we've hired people that others have fired. And I don't think I made friends doing that. And I think it showed when the state came after me. And well, now that I've taken the fight all the way, I think we have shown what the truth is. I've said from the beginning that this looked like an outrageous witch hunt. Now, the crux of the state's case was that you you said that you had a death threat against you in the 911 call and then they always said that they you walked that back so what did you and your defense attorney present at trial to rebut what was always the main focus of the state's case well, I never walked or recanted anything. That was created by the Seattle Times original story. Those quotes have never come out of my mouth. I've never done that. And I've never said that. I specifically said at the scene, it's in the original police report, that if he's out working and doing his papers, just let him go. Because as you can tell, my feelings weren't hurt. I mean, I've had many of a death threat and everything. And once things were calmed down and... He was a paper delivery person. It's in the original report, which the media has left out, which they all have. As I said, well, let him go do his job. I was totally calm. There wasn't a problem. And I don't, and I have no animosity against the Tacoma Police Department in any of this because they're victims as much as we are. I mean, they wrote a report a couple of days later. It was a basic report because it was a basic non-incident that the uh, media and the state turned into an incident. And that's why I'm, I was going to go to bat and fight this to the very end. And I'm just really proud of, you know, my legal team, my staff, my family to put up with me through this whole entire thing or, or come alongside me during this whole entire thing is what yeah. I should say. And, okay. you know, I have two more, two more years left in my term. We're going to go take care of business and get things done like we have the first two years. Okay. Two more quick questions and I'll let you go. Uh, 
I appreciate you speaking with us uh, right in the aftermath of this. Uh, I have said from the very beginning that you have Jay Inslee and Bob Ferguson. They have to convey to the public that you have to be anti-cop to get the vote of the radical left in this state. I believe from the very beginning, that's why they pursued this prosecution with you. Do you agree with my perception on this? Yes, I agree with your perception on that. And not only that, that's the same thing they've done with charging the Tacoma police officers too. Um, you know, other departments and people looked at the Tacoma police case and they stepped in and hijacked that case too. And they're taking three Tacoma police officers to trial on murder charges. And, you know, to be honest with you, I expect the same outcome once the facts come out. And I'm sorry that that's happened to them because I can imagine what they're going through because I know what I've gone through with just these misdemeanors and my family's gone through. Um, So I'm looking forward to those trials being over and and they can get their lives back as well. Okay, last thing. You had already been tried and pretty much convicted by most of the media in this region. Your your thoughts on the way this whole thing has been covered from the beginning? Well, the media's changed a lot in the last few years. I worked with the media and you guys in the media and the public for 20 years. It's not the same media. Um, every news agency and everybody who wants a story just picks out the facts to try and get their points across and leaves out the rest. And that's the beauty of this jury trials. All the facts got in. And in one day, they came back and exonerated me of both charges. Um, I'm sure we'll read things tomorrow in the next couple of days where the media uh, will still try and convict me in the media, even though the jury, they won't respect the jury's decision and they'll still try and highlight things and make it look like I'm guilty. I mean, that's not going to surprise me one bit, but that's the world we live in. And I just hope that everybody you know, picks and chooses their media and what they listen to and knows that majority of everything they're reading and seeing is not the full story or the truth. Okay, last thing. You've been a cop for more than three decades. Uh, The maximum punishment here would have been a year in jail. A year in jail is a nightmare for a cop. You went to bed last night knowing that that was a possible outcome of this. What's that like? What's that like emotionally? What's that like as a as a husband and a father and a cop? Well, it was worrisome for me, you know, that that were to happen. Uh, but, you know, my family and my staff and everybody were very upset over the whole possibility as well. And, you know, how much money has been spent on this by the state and the AG's office and how much grief and trauma they put the staff of Pierce County and our building and our court and our security through to do this. Um, and then the governor actually said that he was going to send us a bill for all of this. I have the letter. Letter never got in, but I have the letter where after this is all over, they were going to charge us. So I'm going to look at ways to sending the state a bill for what it cost us, and we'll see what happens from there. There you go. Ed Troyer, right after the not guilty verdict, speaking exclusively with Dory Monson show. Uh, this is why my friend Todd Herman always called our Attorney General Sideshow Bob. Hey, uh, Bob Fergie, go after Jenny Durkin now. Just show us that you have a tiny bit, tiny bit of objectivity, that you're not just a political hack. Go after Jenny Durkin for the felony crime of destroying public records of destroying 
information that might tell us why Chaz and Chop and those murders and rapes happened there, why the East Precinct was given up. All those public records destroyed by Jenny Durkin and other top city of Seattle officials. You going to go after their felony crime? Or you only go after misdemeanors because you don't like the way somebody thinks? We're in dangerous times, gang. All right, love to hear your thoughts on all this. You can text me at 888 cairo 888-973-5476. Lots more to come, including one of the biggest money boondoggles in the history of the boondoggliest just made up that word jay insley details to come here on the dory monson show i want to share with you a, a twitter thread that i read this morning because this is a topic that needs much more discussion in America. Uh, as I was driving home from a dinner last night, I heard uh, I was listening to Cairo, and I heard a commercial at the end of CBS News about getting boosted. Alex Berenson has kind of been on the cutting edge of skeptically uh, and journalistically looking at the mRNA vaccine. Uh, Alex was on our show over a year ago. He's a former New York Times reporter who now is very active on Substack. He got kicked off of Twitter pre-Musk because he dared question the vaccine. But I wanted to read to you what he posted today. He said, I realize talking about this stinks. I realize many, perhaps most people who got the mRNA are aware they were deceived, even if they will never admit it. They have no plans to get more or let their kids have the shots and just want to forget the 2021 ever happened. But we can't, in part because the hardcore of mRNA fanatics in the public health bureaucracy will not stop pushing the shots. And in part because the mandates last year must never be repeated. And that means letting people know the severity of the risk forced on them. And I can talk about the stunning rise in all-cause mortality over and over. But unfortunately, one individual story is likely to have much more impact which is exactly why the vaccine advocates constantly highlighted the deaths of the unvaccinated last year. I'm sorry if Grant Wall, he's the soccer reporter who died at the World Cup. I'm sorry if Grant Wall's family prefers no one discuss what might have caused his death. But he was a public figure and publicly pro-mRNA shot. And his wife is a huge jab advocate, trying to shame silence those of us raising serious questions about the safety will not fly, especially since the Vax advocates have spent far too much time finger-wagging and too little actually investigating potential issues around the vaccines for almost two years now. I just wish some of the people who spent 2021 trying to force them into the arms of billions of people would join me in that investigation. One might even say they have an obligation to do so. I agree. I agree there's an obligation. Uh, when so many of us were threatened with silence, with cancellation, by raising questions that have proven to be 100% legitimate, uh, they're still trying to get the injection into six-month-old babies. They're running radio commercials. None of it's for public health. 
This is all about transferring money to pharmaceutical companies. Okay, coming up, Fastest 15, one of the most bizarre money requests in Jay Inslee's history. That's next here on the Dory Monson Show.